There are 298 days left in the year, but let's pause for a moment to mark International Women's Day and the spirit in which it was founded over a hundred years ago. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast created two years ago in the spirit of bringing information to as many people as possible. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, approaching my fourth decade as a reporter filled with a spirit of public service. On today's program, Charlottesville's new leadership is introduced to local business leaders at the Chamber of Commerce's State of the Community event. The city hires the Timmins Group to implement software to improve the development review process, and Charlottesville City Council gets an update on the pandemic and directs staff to create a safety plan to guide the transition to in-person and hybrid meetings. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, Livable Seaville wants you to know about an online presentation coming up on Wednesday, March 16th. Can zoning create a more affordable Charlottesville? That's the question that will be explored by Dr. Jenny Schutz of the Brookings Institute. She is the author of Fixer Upper, How to Repair America's Broken Housing Systems. The event is free, but you'll have to register at Eventbrite. The director of the Blue Ridge Health District told council last night that the region is experiencing a strong downswing in the number of COVID cases. Here's Dr. Denise Bonds. Uh, so overall downward trend, we still are seeing spikes occasionally. Today, the seven-day average for new cases in Virginia is 1,177, and the percent positivity has declined to 5.9%. Since Dr. Bond's last appearance, the Centers for Disease Control have altered their guidance on the use of masks to slow the transmission of COVID. CDC has now lowered it down to three levels, low, medium, and high. Um, you can see in Virginia right now, most of Northern Virginia and um, the Tidewater Eastern Shore area has actually moved into the low area with most of the southwest tail in the high area. Charlottesville is also listed as high, so recommendations are to wear a mask indoors and stay updated on boosters and to get tested if you have symptoms. And I really am highly encouraging everyone, if you have not gotten your booster, to please do that. Um, it's really important uh, to have that additional shot to have full um, immunity. The Community Testing Center at the Pantop Shopping Center will close on March 15th. But Dr. Bonds said rapid tests can be picked up at the health department or at local pharmacies. The Community Vaccination Center at Seminole Square Shopping Center will close on March 12th. City Council discussed a potential return to in-person meetings at the end of last night's City Council meeting. Dr. Bonds said she would like to see a hybrid option for people to participate. Because it is still quite risky for some individuals who have immune compromise, um, who can't get vaccinated for whatever reason, or have been vaccinated and are just not mounting a, small, a strong immune response it's really critical um, that those individuals still have the opportunity that they've had over the last few years with Zoom meetings to participate. Dr. Bonds suggested that masks still be required for attendance or to hold council meetings in a larger space than the city council chambers. 
Council took about half an hour to discuss whether to extend a local ordinance to allow for the continuing operations of city government during the local declaration of emergency. That declaration expires on April 7th, and Council will have to decide by then whether to renew. A continuity of government ordinance expires on March 18th. Here is City Attorney Lisa Robertson. The reason that it's on your agenda tonight is that March 18th will happen before your second meeting in March. Robertson said staff wanted input on how to proceed with meetings. The continuity of government ordinance can still be in place even after the emergency declaration ends, allowing for electronic meetings to continue for a period of time. One idea is for council to convene and meet in person with people being able to view remotely. This would require creation of a safety plan, and Robertson explained some of the questions that would need to be answered. How that meeting would be managed in terms of COVID precautions, things like how many people would be in the room, will there be a mask requirement, Um, how will uh, compliance with the rules be monitored, what would the spacing be, all those things we haven't really had a chance to nail down specifically. Another issue is where other boards and commissions would meet. Many of the meeting rooms in City Hall are too small to fit many people with spacing rules. That will also be factored into the safety plan. Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers said staff is examining what it will take to make City Council chambers work under the safety plan. And there are some estimates that we're waiting to get back. So I I would say that probably in the next... uh, Next two weeks, we should have uh, uh, the information that we need with respect to that. Rogers said city space is being considered as another place for meetings to occur, as are school auditoriums. Another item under consideration is how counselors could participate remotely. Council adopted the motion unanimously to extend the continuity of government with the addition of the need for a safety plan. Here's a comment from Mayor Lloyd Snook. I would like to see us open as much as we reasonably can with reasonable safety, and this is going to sound utterly lawyerly, but with also reasonable safeguards available to folks who have different medical needs. The invasion of Ukraine continues this week, and city councilors touched upon the crisis at their meeting last night. Here's Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade. Um, I've had many constituents to reach out to me to see what what we could do or just a a statement or something. And I think that what we can do now, if you the type to pray, please pray. And and we can, you know, I think that um, we're doing um, as a nation what we can do at this point. I know it's an ongoing crisis. More than two million people have fled Ukraine to escape Russian bombardment, according to the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. Mayor Lloyd Snook said it is likely some of that number will come to this community in the near future. Charlottesville is a place where a lot of refugees come. We've got the International Rescue Committee, a lot of other folks who know that Charlottesville is hospitable to to refugees and to immigrants. And when, when the opportunity presents itself, I know that Charlottesville and Charlottesvillians will, will be generous and welcoming. Visit the IRC website at rescue.org to learn more about how you can contribute. I'll have more from the City Council meeting in a future Charlottesville community engagement.
You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, are you ready for Mulch Mulch Madness? Madness? The Rivanna Solid Waste Authority has a free mulch giveaway that runs through April 16th. In between all of the big games, the RSWA wants you to get your yard ready for spring. If you have a way to transport mulch, head on over to the Ivy Material Utilization Center between 7.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Saturday, where you can pick up up to two tons for free. Rivanna staff are available to help load, but ask that you bring a covering. The mulch is double ground and derived from vegetative materials that were brought to Ivy for disposal. That's Mulch Madness at the Ivy Material Utilization Center. Visit rivanna.org to learn more. One more segment to go, and it's the first of three from the Regional Chamber of Commerce's recent State of the Community event. On February 18th, the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce held that event with speakers from Albemarle County, the University of Virginia, and Charlottesville. Elizabeth Cromwell is the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber. These institutional anchors are responsible for economic development decisions that affect all of us in our businesses. Cromwell said the Chamber's mission is to strengthen the business community, and the purpose of the event was to move forward on that pathway. Our goal is to engage our business stakeholders with the institutions that have crucial oversight and the ability to leverage opportunities for regional economic prosperity. The event was also the first ever held in the auditorium at the new Code Building on the downtown mall. Here's Chris Engel, the city's director of economic development. It's hard to believe that this space um, used to be an ice park just a few years ago. As an economic developer, uh, I think about the built environment and changes to it and watching cities evolve and change all the time. And uh, going back a little further, this space was a parking lot in 1995, literally a parking lot. And then it served as a community ice park for 20 plus years. And then it's obviously transitioned again. Engel said the city has changed a lot over the years as well, including a string of city managers in the past four years. Interim city manager Michael C. Rogers was one of three city leaders who spoke at the event. I have been in local government uh, and the private sector over my career for more than 30 years. Uh, I have uh, had the fortune of working uh, for some very uh, complex organizations, which means that I've been in the midst of uh, dealing with some very complex, challenging problems in the public sector. Rogers said he enjoys being part of the solutions of helping organizations in conflict through strategic planning, as well as analyzing the values to see if they are oriented towards success. I look at things that uh, are not doing well and try to figure out how we can do this better for the people that we're supposed to do it for. And in the public sector, that's the citizens of the communities that you serve. Rogers said there has been instability in the city's bureaucracy because of the turnover at the top position. And one of his first goals is to help reverse the trend. He acknowledges that morale among employees has been low. The other priority is that um, working with the staff to... Uh, return to boring government. I think that um, 
no drama government that's focused on bottom line problem, problem solving is one that can deliver effective services to the citizens of this community. There are currently two deputy city managers in Charlottesville, and Ashley Marshall has been the deputy for racial equity, diversity, and inclusion since last May. Marshall said she comes from a family whose members have served in local government. Local government has the opportunity, it has the honor of making someone's day better. We have the chance to dig into our communities and to really focus on their needs, what we can help, what we can provide, who we can lift, because all boats rise together. Sam Sanders has been the deputy city manager for operations since last July, after working for a community revitalization nonprofit in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He calls himself a disruptor. I disrupt the status quo. It is not my friend, and I have made it a case, a, a mission, to do my best to help people see that we don't have to just do it that way if that way is not getting us where we want to go. Sanders said he believes it is possible to help Charlottesville overcome its problems and that that can be done by making sure the basics of government are functioning. We need to pick up the trash. We need to make sure the water flows. We need to make sure that the buses are running, that we get snow off the ground as often as it's been on the ground here lately, Um, that the basics of the community environment are always adhered to, that the parks are clean, that they're available and accessible. Sanders said the city also needs to ensure that it can respond when major projects are underway at the University of Virginia. That will take process reform in the Neighborhood Development Services Department. That I want to make sure that we also are doing the same level of collaborative work for just the everyday citizen that is coming in and trying to make something happen. I will have more from the State of the Community event in a future installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. In the meantime, you can watch the event on the Chamber's website at seavillechamber.org. And finally today, something that might kind of be a sign that the city is moving in a different direction. The city has hired a civil engineering firm to build a new software platform to help speed up the development process. They've hired the Timmons Group to do the work. The city issued a request for proposals in November of 2020, seeking a firm to provide a GIS-centric, cloud-based enterprise land management software system. The city realizes that part of the modernization effort of becoming a smart city includes strategically aligning people, process, and technology in order to manage work more efficiently and effectively. The software will be used by the Department of Neighborhood Development Services to replace programs from 2008 that currently track and facilitate the permitting process. The RFP states that the older software lacks provisions for automated workflows, and that creates bottlenecks in the comprehensive development process because there's such a reliance on paper. The lack of citizen self-service capabilities through the current system limits the local development community's ability to engage remotely with the city by applying for permits electronically. The city expects NDS to achieve substantial gains in productivity, accuracy, mobility, and capacity to make data-driven decisions through the implementation of the ELM software. 
More on this you will see in the future. It's something I'm very interested in, and I hope that you are as well. But that is the end of this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for March 8th, 2022, International Women's Day. And I would like to thank everybody for listening. And of course, uh, thank you to the subscriber who uh, made a $50 contribution today, which enables Ting to send another $50 my way. That's part of the arrangement I have with Ting at the moment. So do check out what they have to offer you. There's a link in the newsletter to some of the deals you can get uh, there. I don't have it in front of me, but you can read it uh, there. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and this is number 344, I think, which uh, is a pretty good number. Uh, Of course, there are a lot more to go, and I'm really excited to be able to do this work. And of course, it is heavily dependent, actually almost all dependent on listeners and readers. So thank you very much. Uh, If you could send this on to somebody else who might be interested in learning more about the community, that is the point. That is the point of this program. It is to educate and inform and just raise awareness uh, to what's going on. Uh, And then it's up to you to decide how you want to proceed with the information. I'm Sean Tubbs. been doing this now almost for 30 years, and I'm really glad to be doing it. And thank you again. Stay safe out there, stay dry, and uh, stay vigilant, and, uh, you know, basically, goodbye. Goodbye.